Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, you're listening to a very special episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we sit down with Mr. Malcolm's List director, Emma Holly-Jones. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies and chat to directors from time to time. We really do love that. In Regency-era comedy Mr Malcolm's List, a young woman is jilted by London's most eligible bachelor when she fails to meet an item on his list of requirements for a bride. Determined to exact revenge, she convinces her friend Selena to play the role of ideal match and the pair soon have Mr Malcolm wondering whether he's found the perfect woman or the perfect hoax. Mr. Malcolm's List is directed by Emma Holly Jones, with a screenplay by Suzanne Alain based on her own novel of the same name. The movie stars Frida Pinto, Zowie Ashton, Joppa Dirisu, and Theo James. Now, we are delighted to have British director Emma Holly Jones join us on Popcorn Podcast to chat about her period rom com, Mr. Malcolm's List. Yeah, Jones makes her feature film directorial debut here, and it was just a joy to speak with her about what sets her film apart from its contemporaries, because this is a very popular genre, Mm -hmm. and why, as a young first-time filmmaker and self-confessed lover of period rom-coms, it was important to represent the diversity of the world we live in and challenge the historical accuracy of the genre. And let's not forget about the big reveal concerning who the real scoundrel Mm. of the piece is. I really love this chat, so let's take a listen. I need your assistance. There is a gentleman, Mr Malcolm. He humiliated me. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for talking to us about Mr. Malcolm's List today. I really appreciate your time. I understand you're a big fan of period dramas. What is it you love about this genre? I think it's just because I grew up on them. I mean, 
I love, you know, everything from World War II movies to, you know, Oscar Wilde. So I think it's just sort of the Brit in me. <laughs> just grew up with them always on television. You know, I'm very, very, very passionate about the rom-com genre. And I think this period film really lends itself to the romance genre. So that's fun too. As you mentioned, there's so many of these wonderful remakes that keep being remade, but it's really nice to have something that's original, very exciting. What sets Mr. Malcolm's List apart from the rest of the genre? Well, I think, you know, it's important for me to say, like, you know, I think a lot of people assume that I was like really looking to make, you know, a Regency film. I wasn't. When I was looking for material, when I heard Malcolm's List on a podcast and it was on a Table Reads podcast hosted by The Blacklist. And I think what drew me to it was it absolutely, you know, rom-com contemporary nature. I think for me, it was like a big ensemble comedy, like brewing. And it really reminded me of some of, you know, the great 90s sort of Richard Curtis movies or Nora Ephron films. And I so that's what really drew me to Malcolm's initially, you know, and then as I went on the journey, I had a lot of fun obviously diving into all those Jane Austen remakes and Oscar Wilde remakes and things like that. And that became a huge part of obviously of, of my research and my process. But you know, definitely was the other way around for me. And is Mr. Malcolm really the scoundrel of the piece that he's made out to be? No, he's sensitive. And I think he's a human being who's mindful and guardful of being hurt or being used. I think our scoundrel is probably Miss Julia. But no, I think falling in love or letting yourself be vulnerable with someone, whether it's 1918 or 2022, like it's a scary thing. And I think, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but he says his the way the scene with his mother at the end, I think, says so much about why he had a list and, and who he is. And in actual fact, he was it's all fear, really which I think is more sensitive and more vulnerable of most men. So why do you think Selena agrees to help Julia with her revenge plan? Because it's quite scandalous, isn't it, for a woman to engage in that kind of conduct? Yeah, I think, you know, this comes again to massively like, you know, my sort of take on Suzanne's original material was really developing these female characters into sort of, you know, more modern characters that women could relate to. So the female friendship between the two of them was something me, Zowie and Frida really like flushed out and got to the core of because it didn't sit with us that one, Julia would ask her two, why would she say yes? And the whole film hinged on that. And a big part of it was also identifying for Selena and for Frida that she was acting a little bit selfish too. You know, she was also a woman out there trying to get what she wanted, which was a chance at a life beyond her confines in her countryside village. And it was an opportunity for her to go to a party, meet people her own age. We all felt anyway, massively a young woman taking her shot and taking her opportunity at a different life for herself. And speaking of the modern sensibility, it's really wonderful to see such diversity reflected in what's always been a predominantly white genre, up until recently anyway. But why was it important to you to continue breaking that mould? As a young filmmaker and as a first-time filmmaker, I didn't think of it as breaking a mould. I just thought of it as this is the world I live in, this is the world I see, and below the line as much as above the line. 
I don't think there's ever going to be a movie that I make if they let me make another one that is not diverse within gender and within race. And so I think from the get-go, it's important for me to say, regardless of the time period, I hope every movie I make continues to represent the world we live in uh, fairly and correctly. But, you know, I think the big, big inspiration for me was uh, Hamilton. I saw Hamilton around the same time I, I found the script and it really challenged for me as an artist why we make films a certain way why do they all look the same way like what's actually the historical truth here because the reality is it doesn't take too long to realize that specifically London in 1818 was a lot more diverse than any film has ever painted it to be Jane Austen's last book had a mixed race leading character And I was like, how did I not know this? And then I realized my education, my school education had never painted it a different way. The movies we've watched, the TV shows we've watched have never painted a different way. And I always asked people, you know, when do you actually think that immigration as such started? Because it wasn't post-Regency England. I always say, I think it was when they probably invented boats. I mean, I don't know exactly. But in saying all of that, It was enough for me, you know, it was enough for me to go, you know what, there's a lot of truth in this. Maybe it won't be perfect. Maybe it'll be flawed, but I don't have to point at it. I can just do. And there was enough research done and enough art and writing and poetry found and even music and folk songs that all the people working on this movie from costume designers to production designers to the composer to the music supervisor there was so much we could draw from from other cultures within the time to really allow the Malcolm's world to work for the people we had cast within it. Could you tell us a bit more about the costumes? Because I understand they were tweaked to sort of reflect the cultural diversity as well. Everything was. That's the whole thing. You know, every room, every costume, food props, you name it. Like I was very much not willing to whitewash the design of the film with these actors in. So it meant everything had to be considered. I think hair is a really important one to discuss as well. Like, look at Lady Kilbourne's hair. It's it's done as actual locks put into a period hairstyle. It really was about allowing these actors' cultures to bleed into these characters and really make them their own. So Pam, the costume designer, took prints from India and put them in Selena's clothes and then prints from Nigeria and put them in Chauffe's clothes. Ray, the production designer designed Hadley Hall, you know, he didn't put rifles on the walls, he put spears. The list of touches that the team made is is endless. One of the ones I love is in the opening scene, one of the opening scenes in Selena's cottage when she's meets Mr. Woodbury. The tea she serves is like a herbal uh, Rubios Indian tea. You know, it's not a British tea with milk and sugar. So like everything. And I hope that as people watch, they notice bits and bobs. And if they watch it again, they notice other bits and bobs. And the actors played a huge part in helping all the people who worked on the film make these choices. Such incredible detail. It was really beautiful to mm. see. And and how did it feel picking up the reins as director, as your first time director? Honestly, I think because I did the short, totally fine, like totally normal, felt like it really was meant to be there. And 
I think that's a good thing, you know, like when you make a short film, it's this wonderful opportunity to have sort of this test run, let alone it being the same material. So I felt really, really, obviously I had all the jitters and nerves that you're meant to have, but I felt just really lucky and it was the best feeling in the world being on set. And I'm sure every director says that, but you know, there really is nothing like it. I just adored it. I was going to ask what went through your mind when you stepped onto the set and saw it completely dressed and everyone in costume and you were just ready to go. I mean, it's pretty magical. It's funny because I was in a little COVID bubble because we shot in the middle of lockdown. So my script supervisor was the only person who really probably heard my reaction. But like, no, I think it's really magic. And I think weirdly the first scene we shot didn't make the cut of the movie, but there was only two scenes that didn't make it. It was a bedtime, nighttime scene that we obviously shot at like 7am. And I think it's really, you know, it really is a bit of magic. I think there's such madness going on with people running in and out and costumes. And obviously we all had masks and shields and medics and all sorts running around. And then suddenly, you know, the AD asks for calm and people get into their places and I'm sat behind a monitor and what's on that monitor sort of goes back in time. And that's a really, really cool feeling. It's certainly a unique experience for your first experience. I'm sure the next one will be very different. (laughs) Very different. I mean, the animals were actually the big geek out moment, you know, when it's like, you've done fittings, you've sort of like seen the characters sort of coming together Mm -hmm. in tests, but it's when the animals and the people who work with the animals come on set. Like I think day two, we had some carriages and horses show up and all the people dressed uh, who ride the horses in their period costumes. That was like a really big geek out moment for me. When you see these absolutely incredible horses and stuff come in who are like so well trained, it's really cool. Speaking of the horses, what are three classic scenes or sequences a good period drama just must have? Well, I think a good chase scene is always wonderful. That's where my mind went the first time as well. When I saw that chase scene, I was like, yep you got to have that. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's actually because the chase scene isn't in the book. So right. that was actually massively an Emma Jones contribution to the film because I massively felt like I wanted, and it really was like, it's like, you know, whether it's in a horse and carriage or you're running through an airport, like, you know, I really wanted that fun, big ending with a big old kiss. And I think there you go. That's my second one. Like a big old kiss at the end of the film. I was like, how long has it been since we've seen just ending on a kiss? And I think that's really important. And then for a third, what else? Lots of tea. I feel like you have to have at least one awkward nail biting tea scene with lots of social tension, you know? So I think those are three key elements to a good period drama. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Emma. I really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. You too. Have a lovely rest of your day. Your list is a shield. You do not want to give your heart to a woman unworthy. So many great insights from Emma there. And it's wonderful to see someone, you know, flipping the script on the genre and developing the the women into more modern and relatable characters. Absolutely. I really can't wait to see what this director does next. Me too. Well, Mr. Malcolm's List is available to rent and own in Australia from November 14. Make sure you check it out. And we hope you enjoyed this special interview episode of Popcorn Podcast. If you did, please head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. We love to hear from you. We love Love you. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.